am Chris, and this is my Writing Table podcast, where we talk to authors and other creatives about the writing world and what it takes to create the books that we love to read. Ready? Pull up a chair and let's begin. Brady Godfrey is a physician, mom of four, and a writer. Her medical career is focused on caring for veterans with visible and invisible disabilities, and she is passionate about improving quality of life and wellness in veterans through research, teaching, and clinical work. Her debut novel, Imposter, is a psychological thriller exploring sisterhood, secrets, and the neuroscience of memory and trauma. She's an avid reader and book reviewer and can be found on Instagram at Brady Godfrey. Brady also co-writes romantic women's fiction under the pen name Allie Brady. Welcome, Brady. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to talk about your debut, Imposter, but first I want to chat about an author that we know named Allie Brady whose debut, The Beach Trap, (laughs) hit shelves this summer. So tell us about Allie Brady. So I am the Brady part of Allie Brady. It's a combined pen name for me and Allison Hammer. She's like my writing BFF. And we've been friends and critique partners for years. And we just got this crazy idea to write a book together. So we did. And it came out in June. And it's a fabulous book, and I'm not going to talk about it too much because we're going to have you both on soon. I listened to the audiobook and loved it. It's so fun. It's a story about friends and and all the things that could go wrong. And boy, like those poor girls. Boy, I know. What was that like co-authoring a novel? It was so much fun. You know, I get that question a lot. You know, is it hard to write a book with someone else? And it probably would be if you didn't have a really high level of trust with your co-author. But Allison and I have been critique partners for years and we had a really intimate critique partner relationship where we just really helped each other and know each other's writings very well. And so it was a pretty natural transition. Of course, we outlined very extensively and then we would trade off, you know, writing chapters, but Um, And then lots and lots of revision, but it was a lot of fun. And we're finalizing our second book before sending it to our editor next week. So yeah. For the listeners who are not familiar with the process, you know, they hear me asking authors all the time about, you know, what their process was as far as getting an agent. How does that work when you are co-authoring? So we already each had our own agents and we did keep our own original agents and it does add in some complexity. So when we meet with our agent, we have to, you know, get both of our agents on the call and both of our agents, they sort of trade off if they need to communicate with our publisher, but it's been actually really great. I think they each have, you know, strengths. And so it's been really nice to have both of their input. Our most recent draft, they each read it and they each gave us feedback and it was incredibly helpful. So, I mean, the more the merrier, really, the more smart people you can have on your team, the better. Let's go back then to when you got your agent. What was that like? It was a long process. I will tell you the whole thing. I think it's good to hear a realistic story of what it takes to get an agent and get published. So I wrote my first novel ever, and that book will never see the light of day, although there are some scenes in that book that are in imposter. So it was still worth my time. But I, you know, did that. And then I queried where I was contacting agents, asking for representation. And I got some response, but not a lot. So I just started writing another book because everyone says, just write the next book. So I did. I wrote the next book. I was really excited about that book. And I got quite a lot of interest from agents. I mean, honestly, probably half the agents I queried asked for the full manuscript, which is a very good response. And I had two agents want to set up a call with me. 
to talk about revisions. Like there was a lot of interest and I thought, okay, I'm getting on the right track. But around the same time I had finished a third book, cause I was, you know, just writing again, finished a third book and decided to participate in the Twitter pitch contest pit mad. You have to pitch your book in like however many characters there are on Twitter nowadays, um, 140 or whatever it is. So you have to pitch your book and then agents and editors can like it. And if they like it, then you send them your manuscript and they decide if they want to represent it. And so that book got so much attention in pit mad. I was shocked and blown away. I had like 25 agents that I had to send stuff out to that day. And the next Monday at 7 a.m., I got a call with an offer of representation. And I got three other offers. I had four offers from agents that I loved. And I signed with my agent, who's Amy Burkow at Writer's House. Love her. And then we went on sub with this book that all these agents wanted to represent, and the book didn't sell. <laughs> oh, no. So why do you think that so, was? I don't know. And it's interesting because selling a book is hard. Like getting a publisher mm-hmm. to pay you money for a book is very hard. And there was one editor who really liked it and wanted to make an offer on it. And she just couldn't get her team on board. And that was like crushing because I had had a call with her. I had connected with her. So anyway, did some revisions, tried to make something work out. And it didn't with that book. So then I wrote another book. And that book was imposter. <laughs> but the good thing about that story is when my publisher... Blackstone offered on Imposter. They wanted to do a two book deal. And I said, Hey, I have this other book. And it was the third book I had ever written, the one that got me my agent. And they said they loved it and they bought it. So that book is coming out in 2023. So things do have a way of working out. I think about the timing. I'm just guessing that that was probably what, 2019, 2020, when you were on sub? Yes. I mean, that's why I ended up going with a hybrid press. Everything was gangbusters. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. And you couldn't get anybody to commit. So I'm so glad it worked out for you. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little bit about imposter. So imposter is a psychological thriller and it's about two sisters who've been estranged for about three years. And the younger sister reaches out to the older one and says, let's go to dinner. I have something to tell you that's of life and death importance. And so on the way to dinner, the younger sister driving in the car, it's a dark and snowy night in Chicago and they get hit by another car, get in a bad car crash. And the younger sister ends up very badly injured and in the ICU unconscious brain injured. The older sister, her memory is a little rambled from the car crash because she did get a concussion, but she is pretty sure that someone was following them before the crash and hit them. And so now she needs to find out what her sister was going to tell her. What was this life and death matter that her sister needed to tell her? who was following her. But as she starts digging into her sister's past, she starts coming across things that she did not expect about her sister, realizes she may not have known her sister as well as she thought. And also at the same time, there's still someone stalking her. So lots of twists and turns. And there's a lot of medical aspects with brain injury and some other psychiatric issues and a lot of sisterhood and secrets, which are some of my favorite things to write about. Your non-author job, besides being a mom and (laughs) raising a family and all that, Tell us what kind of medicine you do. I'm a physician and I work at a VA and I work with people who've had a lot of terrible brain injuries and and strokes and amputations and that type of thing. So I help them as they recover. I'm a rehab doctor and it's a super rewarding patient population to work with. I love my job, but it can be sometimes challenging, obviously, because these are some very horrible things that have happened Mm -hmm. to people, but it is really a privilege to be there after the bad thing has happened and help them figure out how to get back to doing what they love. We love our VA doctors, I say, as a wife of one. In The Imposter, you've got a character that has 
I'm assuming a closed head injury or some type of traumatic brain injury. I would think that that would be pretty natural for you to discuss that, but you're also having to write it for people who are not clinical. Was that a challenge? Yes, it was. And one of the things that was a challenge was when I was working with my editor, trying to find the balance between keeping the plot moving and also giving accurate medical. One of the, the, the plot to be medically accurate, not totally implausible. I wanted it to be something that could really happen, but also didn't want it to get too bogged down in all the details. And, you know, the editor would be like, people aren't going to know what this is. <laughs> there was a balancing act. And also I really did want to portray it fairly accurately. I do have sort of a pet peeve when people with like a brain injuries are portrayed in very unrealistic ways in, in books and, and movies and things, but also like it's a thriller. So I want it to be a page turn. I wanted it to be interesting. So it couldn't just be, you know, someone sitting alone in a room quietly staring at a wall. Going back to your other job and your being a co-writer and a book blogger and a mother to four children, <laughs> what does your typical writing day look like? People ask all the time, like, how do you do all these things? Sometimes I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I will say my two books that we sold to Blackstone, they were both done and written when I signed the contract. I mean, had to do revisions, but that very much helped. So I have not been writing on my own, you know, other than revisions during this period of time, which has been great. So really working on Allie Brady, but I tend to write in the evening after my kids have sort of wound down for the night and my younger kids are heading to bed and, you know, the older kids are sort of. I'm there kind of like off in their own little worlds at that point. Um, So yeah, I tend to write like from eight to 10 in the evenings. I did an interview once with Julie Clark, who writes thrillers and she works full time as a teacher. And she said, if you are consistent about writing two hours a day, you can write a book. And I Mm -hmm. totally took that to heart. And I think it's completely true that if you're consistent and do two hours, most days, you can write a book. Well, and now you've written what five full manuscripts, correct? Or more. Well, I guess six now that we've written the next one for Allie Brady. In the course of that, what are some things that you've noticed that you've been able to streamline or do better? Let's see. Writing is one of those things, and you've probably noticed, like, as you get better at it, it also gets harder because your standards for yourself keep raising. But I have a pretty good sense of how I want to plot out the book. It may change. I'm pretty good at plotting it out and thinking through what needs to happen. And then yes, it can change in the revisions, but I do feel really comfortable with that. And I also have a good sense for myself on what is a sort of reasonable amount of words I can write in a day and how much time I need to give myself to do it. And also just getting through that. The drafting part of the book is very (laughs) difficult for me. That's like the pulling teeth phase. I really struggle with So I just try to get words on the page, even if they're bad and not judge them. And then just know that it's going to get better with revisions. And I also think I've gotten better at taking feedback and not getting offended by it. Because when you have to work with editors, you just have to continuously make things better and not get too attached to certain things because they, you know, they might just get completely cut and you just have to Mm -hmm. be okay with that. Can't be precious. (laughs) What does plotting look like? I pretty much use like the standard three act structure. And a lot of plotting systems are based on that. Most of them are honestly, they're variations of that. So I do like the save the cat writes a novel beats. Mm -hmm. I think that's really good. Michael Haig is a screenwriter and I really like his system because it brings in the character arc. So I do use that a lot, but I do always try to think about sort of what's the opening image, what's going to be the first plot point, 
Where do I want the midpoint to line up? And is there going to be some kind of shift at the midpoint? What's going to be my kind of 75 mark kind of dark moment, dark night of the soul? How is my character going to recover from that? And then what's going to be my climax and resolution? So at least those broad strokes, I try to have those in place. But I've heard that writing thrillers requires much more planning and much more detail in planning. It's not just the character arc. Maybe she gets her heart broken here, but the bulk of the story is really a family saga or something. You've done both now. How does one look versus the other? Thriller versus romantic women's fiction. Very good question. I think that plotting thrillers is very challenging. And the thing that's so hard about it is if you change something, it unravels everything else. And so if you make a change and you say, you know, this particular plot point that's happening, you know, 200 pages in is not working and you have to change it. And then it's like a ripple effect for the whole thing. And it can be excruciatingly painful to go back through and unpick all the little details. That's very challenging, but I have not found a way to completely avoid that. It just happens sometimes, you know, you think it's going to totally work out and then it doesn't. Thriller readers expect, you know, good twists and they want to have their mind blown, but they don't want it to come totally out of left field. So it can be really, it can be really tricky. But when you're writing more like women's fiction or women's fiction with romance in it, it is all about the character arcs. So you really have to nail the character arcs. So they're different. They're both challenging. On a thriller, how long does it take you to do that original outline? Probably a few, a few weeks. Yeah. Hard to say how many weeks. I will start writing the first few chapters because I want to get a sense for the voice and that'll help me Mm -hmm. kind of figure out the character a little bit. And I'm continuously revamping the plot as I go through it and things come up. But yeah, I usually try to have, you know, three or four weeks of plotting before I start really, really writing it. As far as timetable, like we're pretty close as far as our process on the craft course, you know, where, Mm -hmm. because you talk about a lot of the same things and it's funny, this, this book I'm writing now, I, I don't usually plot using a three-act structure. I use Michael Haig or I kind of made my own at one point and, and I'm loving Save the Cat Writes a Novel. That has really like changed my world. But you learn so much and then it all starts to sink in and you start to see what are some of those things that you've started to feel more confident about or come more naturally? Well, I read a lot also. And so I think that also helps quite a bit to see what is working and what is not working. And I'm always trying to think about what is working with this book, what is not working about this book. What do I feel more confident? <laughs> what do you do when it's confident. not working? <sighs> well, take a step back. So with the current Allie Brady book that we've been working on, our second book, it was way too long. So we had to take a step back and really think about what parts were not working, what parts were too long, where was it lagging? I actually did some math where I like wrote down the words and where I thought the plot points were. And I, you know, sort of figured out, I think it's the first act is too long. And that was helpful to know, okay, we need to trim this part of it. But sometimes it's just like taking a break or beating your head against the wall. I don't know, go for a walk. Hopefully your mind gets cleared. I think most of us have a decent sense for story. And so if you can take a step back and try to think, is the story working? It can help you get that perspective. It's great advice. I need to take it more often. It is funny though, when you're in that rolling along, singing a song, life's good. And you know what I mean? Like when you're in the zone and Mm -hmm. when you can't wait to get back to that manuscript, you've got traction. And then all of a sudden you don't. And you think, the world is going to end. What are we going to do? When you finally force yourself to walk away, the answer shows up. So, you know, let's back up. When did you know you were a storyteller? When did the writing come on the scene? 
So when I was a little kid, I was always writing stories. I loved writing stories. I would write things and I would illustrate them and I would give them to my mom and she would tell me they were brilliant. Um, but at <laughs> some point I just started not writing. I think because I was like a very high overachiever student in high school and I was sort of getting involved in you know science and that type of thing and just didn't feel like I had time. Went to college again, did not have time. Went to medical school, did not have time. Residency, no time. But it was right around when my, I had four kids, my, my youngest was born and I started to feel this little nagging pull to write stories. And I always had stories in my head and I would think about characters and settings and plots and things, but I just started hearing this little voice and I was having these recurrent dreams where I would find myself in my house and I would find a new room in my house that I'd never been in before. And I didn't know existed. And I would walk in and I would think, wow, this room is so cool. What can I do in this room? What possibilities it has? And I was having this dream a lot. And I finally like looked up just dream interpretation. What does this mean? And it's actually a pretty common dream. And it usually means there's a part of yourself that you have not explored yet. And, and at the same time, I kept having this nagging voice to write and it started to feel like pressure building up in my head. And I vividly remember the first time I sat down with a laptop, it was an old, old laptop that my husband had stopped using. And I just pulled up a word doc and I just wrote a chapter and it was like this pressure valve had released. And I honestly have not stopped since then. I've just kept going. I just kept going. I don't know why it took so long for that to happen. Cause that was about mm, five or six years ago, but yeah, I just kept writing ever well, since. Well, you were then. a little busy. I was a little Residency, busy. Residency, yeah. med school, four babies, <laughs> getting married. Yeah, yeah you were, were a little busy. busy. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be like apologetic about you know, what took you so long. Yeah, what took you so long? Yeah, like, come on, chop, chop. The news can be kind of grim and it can be hard to find motivation. So what brings you back to the page? If I don't make time to write, I really start to get sort of more anxious. It's a way for me to escape. I'm one of those people that just has like a million things going on in my brain all the time. And it feels sort of like I have, you know, 10,000 tabs open on my browser. And when I'm writing, when you get in that zone that you were talking about, it's one of the only times that I just am focusing on one thing. And that feels really calming to me. So writing is how I sort of try to tune it out. You have control. Yes. What is the most fun thing about writing? When you are in that zone and you're creating this new world, new character, it's such a big, it's such a rush. There's really nothing that compares to that feeling. It's incredible. Those ideas when you just feel like it's all coming. Yeah. Nothing, nothing better than that feeling. What have you read lately that you like? I haven't been reading that much, but... <laughs> So trying to get this draft done, but I recently read Blake Crouch's new book. I really like Blake Crouch. He writes science fiction and his book is called Upgrade. And I really like that. I'm not a big science fiction reader, but I really like his books and they have great characters. And it's sort of a nice break to not read something that is anything like what I write. So I enjoyed that. Let's see. I read Kristen Higgins' new book. I love Kristen Higgins. Mm-hmm. Writes wonderful women's fiction. It's just so voicey and has so much personality. And I really, really love that book. And so many people are reading Every Summer After by Carly Fortune. Mm-hmm. It's been like a New York Times bestseller. That was like really fun and swoony. And then also everybody's reading Book Lovers by Emily Henry. And I also really like that book. So <laughs> I just finished it. So good. Yeah. <laughs> Have you read Nora Goes Off Script? I haven't yet, but I'm going to the lake next week and I'm bringing it with me because everyone is raving about it. That is a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Can't wait. It's kind of a 
shorter book. So I think that'll be a perfect go to the lake book for you. Could you share some advice for other debut authors? Someone told me to enjoy the ride because it is a ride. And I think there's a lot of emotions and there's a lot of ups and downs. You're really wrestling with like a lot of insecurities and anxiety. And is my book selling well enough? And what do people think about it? And so I actually put it on the lock screen of my phone. I just put the little graphic on there and it says, enjoy the ride. And it's a picture of a roller coaster. (laughs) And it's just been a reminder to me, just try to enjoy this because I'm achieving something that took many, many years to work toward. And there's always going to be somebody whose book seems to be doing better than yours. And there are always going to be people who are looking at you and thinking that your book is doing better than, than theirs is. So it's very normal. I think all those feelings are very normal to have. And so just like validating yourself, it's normal to feel sometimes jealous of other people, but there are probably people jealous of me. And so I'm just going to enjoy the ride. Your debut, you you get to do it once. And well, in most cases, however, (laughs) when you are Allie Brady and Brady Godfrey, you get to do it twice. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Brady. Thank you so much. It was so fun chatting with you. To learn more, visit bradygodfrey.com or alliebradybooks.net. If you're enjoying the writing table, please consider leaving us a review. There are so many podcasts out there. Reviews help other listeners find us. Thanks so much for your support.